What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program Kristen Dunsmore, and she gave me an excellent interview. Uh, Kristen is not only an extremely high-level competitor, but she is also a high-level coach. She holds advanced degrees in exercise science, and I love when we get both competitors and coaches on the show because they have a lot of information to share, a lot of experience to share with the viewers, and I often get educated when uh, people like that come on the show. So, of course, talk about her start in powerlifting. Um, fitness is something that she's dedicated a lot of her life to, as she, again, holds advanced degrees in exercise science. Talked about that. Talked about something we don't actually discuss a whole lot on Two White Lights, and that's athlete burnout. And the great thing about this interview, she gives it from a coach's perspective and as an athlete's perspective, too. Uh, we also talked about injury, coming back from an injury. Again, two-sided answer, coach and competitor, really good insight on that. Also had to ask her what mindset she has, a coach-first mindset or a competition or a competitor mindset first, and the differences between the two, which one is more challenging. Of course, I do the ultimatum, which one would you choose, being known as a great competitor or being known as a great coach. Also talked about some things that might be a pet peeve of hers, uh, just observing other coaches in powerlifting. And we talked about her legacy, what she would like to be known for when it's all said and done in the sport of powerlifting. And of course, we finish out the show with Word Association. Excellent interview, really fun with her. But before we get into the interview, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit leflarbros.com and get yourself some merchandise. I know I talk a lot about the fanny packs, the dad hats, the baseball tees. Uh, tank top season is slowly coming to an end, but I'm still going to buy them anyways. But something that they have on there that's awesome is competition shirts. And those things, those competition shirts look amazing. I saw some of the graphics today on my Instagram stories, and they look terrific. And you can get one for a discounted price. If you use promo code 2WL10, you will get 10% off of your order. So go to leftlarbros.com, use promo code 2W10, and you will get yourself 10% off your order. Also, they have our banners, which are going up at gyms, and it's really awesome to see. Uh, Two-Eye Lights banners. That's exclusive. Two-Eye Lights banners is only on leftlarbros.com. And, of course, use that promo code, get 10% off 2WL10. Don't forget it, and you should remember it by now. Also, go to Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and get 15% off of your order. You can get yourself some pre-workout, some protein, some branched amino acids, some mass gainers. I know I've been taking a lot of mass gainers. I've been losing a little bit of weight recently, to the dismay of my coach, of course. But use promo code ANGELO15, and you will get 15% off of your order. Also, lift.net, get yourself some stoic gear. I only use stoic gear on the platform. Use promo code ANGELO10. Get 10% off of your order. They have that black label stuff, all black everything, what's not to love. Use promo code ANGELO10 and you can get 10% off of your order. Also, considering you made it through the ad reads, subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and a review. Reviews are awesome. I enjoy when I get reviews. Please do them. They're great. We're also on Spotify, so follow us on Spotify as well. Also, go to twowhitelights.com and get yourself some merchandise. We have... Two white light shirt. Show that you listen to the show by getting yourself a two white light shirt. Also, we got Bomb Out Club. We got some other tees on there as well, some other merchandise. Go to twowhitelights.com and get yourself some. And without further ado, here it is, two white lights. 
And as promised, I got with me 2018-72 KG National Champion, coach at Juggernaut Strength Systems, in which he holds a advanced degree in exercise science from the Syracuse University. I got with me Kristen Dunsmore. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Very good. And that was quite the introduction I just gave you. And that's a yeah. lot of like amazing accolades. I, I like it. I was like, you made, you talked me up. Maybe you sound really cool. Yeah, my goal is to be like the Gino of podcasting. Okay. Where I try to yeah. hype up the guests before they come on. But I really don't need to hype you up because one, extremely well known in the sport. Two, extremely accomplished in the sport. And three, just have been super involved in it. And I got to ask you this question first because based on your accolades and it dedicated a large chunk of your life, if not a, you know, your whole life to fitness. So how did that journey start? How did you get your foot in the door in fitness? And then how did that transition into powerlifting? Uh, yeah. So actually, I mean, I always, I've played sports mostly all of my life. I think that's, I've always had an athletic background and a competitive personality. Uh, I started off playing basketball and soccer. I ran track and field for a year. So I always played like mainstream sports. Um, and then once I went to college, I, I went to school for exercise science, mm-hmm. surprise, uh, just because I've always been interested in, you know, like the fitness industry, even when I was younger, I'd like be looking up um, articles on, you know, how to gain muscle or, or tone at the time, I guess was like the term. Uh, and then I found out that you could actually go to school for that. And I was like, this is a thing you can like go to school for exercise. Like, that's really cool. And, uh, yeah, so I went to school, did my undergrad at university of Tampa. And while I was there, there was a professor and the best way that I could describe him was a meathead with a PhD. So, so like how Lane Norton <laughs> describes himself. It's well, actually I met Lane. When yeah, I was there, yeah, he um, went, did he go to University of Tampa? No, but he had, he was friends with my professor at the time. Okay, so he went to the lab and he would uh, deadlift, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's so strong!" Mm-hmm. So that was actually my first interaction with with Lane was while I was in Tampa, and um, but no, it wasn't Lane; it was uh, someone else. And he, uh, yeah, so he was just a meathead with a, he's kind of like Lane; he was just a meathead mm-hmm. with a PhD, and I just thought it was like so cool. And so I asked him, uh, he was doing a, a study uh, on a sport performance supplement. And so he, um, I asked him, like, can I, you know, I want to be a part of this. I want to, like, I want to learn. I want to know. Can I, you know, observe, whatever. And so he uh, let me go into the, um, and help out and be one of, like, the assistant researchers. And he told me that if I was going to do this, that I had to, uh, I had to lift weights, mm-hmm. you know, cause I got to the gym, but I would do, uh, my cardio and, you know, I never went over to the, the dumbbell section cause that's where all like the, the big meat heads were. And <laughs> I was like going to stay over by the machines. And uh, so he's like, yeah, you're going to lift and you're going to squat and deadlift and bench. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but I ended up just kind of like, being okay at it I think the first time I ever squatted and this was like in running shoes probably not to depth so it, but it was 185 pounds mm. not to depth I would have gotten red light at 100 percent. but the fact that I was 
that the fact that I was like able to put 185 pounds on my back and like attempt to squat it confidently and kind of everyone was like whoa that's Mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of how I started I didn't even know what powerlifting was at the time they just like he had a background in powerlifting and bodybuilding and, and Lane work, um, meeting Lane and him doing uh, powerlifting kind of got me interested in the strength sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like how I fell into it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I fell into it. That's literally what happened. Yeah. And I was curious to ask you because I'm, we have had people on the show with advanced degrees in exercise science and degrees in exercise science, but it's, it's interesting for you because it was just, to help you get better at your actual profession where it's not always the case with other people. They see it either on YouTube, Instagram, and they want to just be involved in it. Yeah. I don't need, that's another, I didn't, I fell into that. Like working with coaching. I just, mm-hmm. uh, I got lucky when I met Chad from the owner of JTS. Uh, I met him when I was at the Arnold and at the time, actually I was dealing with an injury mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and so I had taken, uh, I pulled out of the Arnold, um, but I met him and I was just talking to him and they, so he reached out to me afterwards and was like, let me coach you. And so I started working with him and, uh, eventually like I came back and this is where I think people started to know who I was, um, because I had competed. My first meet was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my next one, I didn't compete again until 2016 so it was like two years later and my first meet back I think I had tied uh Sam Calhoun and then uh Natalie forget her last name she's gonna hate me I hope she's not listening to this (laughs) um but we tied so it's like I would have um tied for a second at Raw Nationals had I competed and I think that's and then working with Chad I think that's where people were like who is this girl Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, I've been around for a while, guys. I've just been broken. <laughs> uh, but then eventually Chad, like, yeah, asked me to, like, start doing coaching for him. And um, that's kind of how I got involved as far as uh, the coaching side of uh, the sport. One thing that I'm also curious about is when someone has an advanced degree in something, and I know the struggle of uh, competing and going to college and going to school. Uh, I actually, my first meet was when I just was done or one of my first meets was when I was just done student teaching. And mm-hmm. I know like that just balanced because it was going to the gym at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, just to get a lift in. Cause I was under prep, um, mm-hmm. not a serious prep. It was following an online template, but a prep nonetheless. Right. And balancing that was extremely difficult. So in your journey, have you ever, you know, experienced some kind of burnout or just a, overwhelming feeling of balancing being a high level competitive powerlifter and also trying to earn yourself a degree in um, an advanced advanced degree in exercise science. Yeah. So look, I'm actually, I'll let you keep you posted because I'm actually going back to school in the fall to get a PhD. Nice. In health. Yeah. So So next time I have you on the show, I can call you doctor. That's going to be awesome. Soon. Um, so I'll let you know how that goes once that starts. Um, fortunately, when I, I graduated with my master's, I believe it was it was 2015. Um, and so there really wasn't like leading into uh, nationals was over the summer. And so there wasn't really a lot of overlap as far as uh, training and then trying to do coursework at the same time. And then when I came back is when I was dealing with that 
injury. So um, I wasn't training consistently. Uh, but outside of school, yeah, I've definitely uh, experienced that most recently after Raw Nationals, um, just because I was dealing with some glute pain. And um, of course, when you're in pain, it's not fun to work out. It's hard to get motivated because you're, you're hurting. And so after Raw Nationals, um, I definitely experienced some sort of, of burnout just because I was, you know, it was in, I was in pain. And so it wasn't fun to work out. So, um, I tried to, as a way to, uh, deal with my burnout, I tried exploring different avenues of fitness or training that was outside of like uh, a powerlifting focus. So I was doing an internship at uh, San Diego state university with the track and field team. Mm-hmm. And so after nationals, I took about, it was like six weeks or so six to eight weeks of doing track and field work. And that was a nice break from powerlifting. Um, it was different. It was stimulating. So I was able to get motivated and I sucked. So <laughs> it was kind of like newbie games all over again, where it was just like, I was really, really bad. And then I got like, I was still bad, but I got less bad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty much that's powerlifting. I always tell yeah, people, I'm like, you're probably going to suck. You're really bad at this when you first start. And it's yeah. pretty much like Not, oh, I'm so bad yeah less <laughs> less suck over time that's kind of how it is and it was funny because um the head coach who I was working under she had a lot of um like Olympic athletes that were she would train and so I would coach the uh the her collegiate girls and then she would have her her professional elite athletes who are training for the Olympics come in and that's what I'd work out with and so they always got a good laugh because it's like, you know, them running and they're like, I mean, Olympic level, they're just mm-hmm. angelic. And then there's me, the power lifter trying to sprint. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it was very humbling to say the least. Yeah, I can imagine that. Now, I've never really suffered or went through athlete burnouts. Can you describe to me and the viewers like how just that feels? Because I I heard I hear that a lot. I know a lot of athletes go through it, but like, what are what are some of the, the like the highlights of it or well, lowlights? Lowlights yeah. probably a better word. So I think um, you know with burnout, especially if you're in an elite level, and this just goes for all sports. This isn't just confined to powerlifting. Um, especially if you're talking about like pro athletes mm-hmm. who um, this is their lifeline, this is their career, you know, so they have so much riding on them and say if they were to have some sort of career ending injury or something. So it's like their life, their livelihood is like taken away from them. Um, and that can cause a lot of uh, distress, you know, not even just like physical, cause you're like in physical pain, you're hurt. But like the mental component that comes along with that mm-hmm. um, can be very detrimental to the athlete. So um, fortunately for me, um, I mean, well, I would love to say that like, you know, pro powerlifters, uh, you know, don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> so I have other avenues. Um, but for some athletes, yeah, like that's really shitty. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, most importantly, it's kind of dealing with the the mental side of, of burnout because, um, yeah, it can cause like, you know, I'm not motivated. You're depressed essentially. Um, like 
no desire to, you know, you almost like despise the, the sport. And then of course you have like people who are, um, kind of watching you to see what you're doing and feeling like you have to meet those expectations mm-hmm. that they place on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine social media would not be like the best venue mm-hmm. or just the best tool after you're going through burnout is because you, well, social media kind of makes a sport seem more important than it is. That's very true. <laughs> it, 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 especially when you start following, when you really start getting involved into it and you start looking at your competition like it really starts to put a pressure that might not exist and you're creating the own pressure for yourself. Exactly. So, yeah. and as much as I would say, you know, like don't, you know, compare yourself to yourself and not other people. I mean, we're also human and you know that like, you know, we're comparing other people in our weight class. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation, um, I did a podcast a while ago and I was telling um, the host, I was like, I had to, um, when I was leading into IPF worlds, just because I was still having some of like that glute pain and still some burnout. Um, I had to like put people on mute that are friends of mine that are in my weight class, not because I dislike them or any issues. It was just for like my own like mental sanity where right. I was just like, I can't keep looking at them because every time I see them hitting a PR or a lift, it like not upsets me, but I'm like, it, it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was like, there's no offense. Like, I love you guys. There's just, I had to do it for myself. And then I, I like unmuted them once it was over, but. <laughs> you know, I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of people would even admit that. That because I oh, think, a, yeah, a lot of people put on a facade that like, no, I don't really don't care what other people do. Like you're competing in a sport that you're serious about. Of course you do. That's such a crock yeah. of shit if you don't. Yeah. If you're so, if you're sitting there renderless and can't really lift and then you see, you know, your competition getting better, granted you're friends with them, but you still, it's, it still impacts you. Like, um, it, it is refreshing to see like that kind of whiff of honesty. It's like, okay, I had to mute these people because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And it was better for my mental state if I just didn't see that anymore. It's yeah. Refreshing to hear some honesty sometimes out of, uh, like high level athletes, yeah. it's normal like the, the feelings that I feel are probably like the same as other people mm-hmm. so you know like I think that's kind of why I'm trying to be more transparent and be like hey like I'm human too I make mistakes I do dumb shit like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so so let me ask you this so if you're a coach and a client comes to you and saying like you know I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm feeling burnt out too what's your approach with that client so the nice thing is that because I've experienced it I think that I have a, a you know, an understanding of what they're going through. So I'm not like judgmental in any way. And a lot of times, and I do, and I have had clients who are, you know, they're in pain or they're just kind of like burned out from the monotony of like powerlifting because the sport in and of itself, like is boring over Mm -hmm. time, you know, you're just squatting and benching. And so, especially in an off season, I kind of like promote doing other things or like, you know, what's something that you want to focus on or, uh, you know, I have a client right now who's like, super into golf <laughs> yeah and so i mean and to be honest i didn't really change too much but he was like i want to like focus on like golf performance and like i mean at the end of the day it's like probably not very different just adding in like some rotational movements but this is something that he was interested in and so like our focus now is like to have him improve his golf game um he still does powerlifting, but right now is a way to like you know kind of deal with some of that 
that burnout, his focus is elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Even for maybe it's physique or something, you want to lose a little bit of body fat. So just doing something that's like outside of powerlifting just to kind of get you to enjoy training again, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had uh, Janelle Vechner on the show a long time ago. It was uh, one of our earlier episodes, and that was one of the more eye-opening things when she told me what she does, you know, outside of powerlifting. Because um, Janelle, if, if the you don't know and the listeners don't know, does uh, Highland Games, uh, strongman competitions, does uh, Moss Wrestling, that really awesome thing you see at the Arnold where they're like battling with the rope. She does a lot of different things. And she has a just a lot of different venues. And as for why, it's like, well, because powerlifting could one day end for you. Like powerlifting could one day not be there. And that was something for me. I'm like, oh, shit. My, my hobby, obviously, because I have a podcast dedicated to powerlifting, is so encompassed around the sport where this is something I still struggle with, actually. Is like things are yeah. going great. Things are going great in training for me. I'm not saying that things aren't, but say if it's taken one day, powerlifting, like what do I have after that? And it's still like, it's still something I need to work on as far as getting a different hobby or a different interest outside of it because um, it, it's, it's, it's reality for a lot of people. That's kind of, I think, what I had to, so when I was dealing with some of this burnout, and I mean, that was like my, like, that's what I was known as, right, is like Kristen the Powerlifter, and that's like, if my Instagram would just be like, my workouts, or, you know, like, I mean, really, that's all it was, or something, and so after that, I kind of, it kind of forced me to be like, okay, well, you know, like, what is my, not an identity crisis, but essentially, like, you know, like, what else, like, what am I, besides Kristen the, the Powerlifter, like, what else and that's kind of where I started gearing more towards like providing content for people mm-hmm. because it's like, I do have a degree. I am knowledgeable, you know, what can I do to like educate others? And that's kind of like, if you notice, I guess like within the last like year or two years is that my Instagram has kind of changed from just my training log to more providing content for people. And then including, you know, some workout videos or whatever, but um, I kind of, it made me feel better just, helping and educating others and that's kind of like I feel like the direction that I've gone mm-hmm. um especially as of more recently mm-hmm. yeah I've noticed that too because I th- I've I've I stumbled across your page actually after the Arnold uh because I competed at the Arnold and and this is a good time to, to you know get to hear is I think mm-hmm. well one I didn't start getting like super involved in the sport until like 2000 18 ish maybe 2019 that's where two white lights started it's where i competed in the usapl and there has been and if you go on you know open powerlifting or your database for your meets there is a little bit of a gap there between um ipf worlds that you competed at and the grand prix so yeah uh, so describe what's happening you mentioned earlier that you were battling through some injuries so um just just shed more light on that so, like, um, after, well, before, leading into Raw Nationals 2018, I started dealing with um, some glute pain, which is probably just, like, some overuse because there's, you know, there was no, like, traumatic injury that occurred. It was just kind of, like, well, it was kind of hurts and kind of progressively got worse. And, of course, like, I'm in meat prep, so I can't really back off. Um, so I was just kind of like, all right, well, I'll just suck it up don't do this by the way, but like do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> but I'll suck it up and then I'll deal with it after the meet. 
Um, and I mean, I guess luckily for me, it, it worked out because I, I won. Um, I didn't do well on my squats. I ended up missing my third because of depth, um, a weight that I'd hit before. Um, but I think that was just kind of dealing with some lingering pain. Um, but after, yeah, so after Raw Nationals, kind of thinking I'm going to take this, you know, long off season, try and like get better. But I never worked with anyone, um, at least not till I got close to the meet. And then by that, or close to Worlds, um, when I was like six weeks out, but at that point, it's really hard to do some rehab when you're also trying to like max out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I ended up at worlds. Uh, if you look at open powerlifting and you'll see that I squatted 70 kilos. So that was a hundred and was it like 154 pounds or something. Yeah. About that. Uh, it's a hundred over a hundred kilos less than what I've squatted. Um, and yeah, I did that because I was warming up in the back room and I was just like, this hurts. Like I'm not, I can't do this. And then it was already, um, because we had lowered the weight so much that I was going to be the first person to, uh, squat. And that was just a mental, like mind fuck for me. Sorry. <laughs> this is, a, this um, is an explicit podcast. Yeah. You can say it. You can say that word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so it just like. It was just, it was, it was definitely mentally hard. And that's like right after Worlds was when I was like, I'm like, I was like, 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 I don't even know if I want to compete again. And I was kind of going through that like identity crisis, but I ended up, um, not long after I started working finally with a rehab specialist who was very, uh, knowledgeable in the field. Um, his name's, um, Michael Ray. He works with Barbell Medicine. Uh-huh. and he had me I mean he was like okay you're in pain squatting like we're gonna have you squat <laughs> and but it was like low low so it was a lot of like uh tempo stuff and he was the one that really kind of got me back to um at least training again even though I wasn't at my like my strongest I was at least training and so I got invited to do the Grand Prix and um I took the Raw Nationals 28. 28- 2019 off just because I wasn't ready to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was there cause I had athletes who were, who were competing and just being there in that environment kind of, um, it made me like love the sport again. Cause there's so much energy. There's so much excitement. And I was like, this is why, this is why I compete. And so after being at nationals, that's when I was kind of like, all right, I need to get my shit together and, you know, really put in the work. And so I did get offered to do the Grand Prix at the Arnold. Um, and that was going to be like, that's my meet back. And um, my goal was not to, I mean, obviously, like, I want to, like, hit PRs, right? But that was a mental PR for me, just to be able to be like, I'm back, I'm training, um, you know, and I can only get better from here. So that meet, you'll notice that I was like, I think I... It was like 30 kilos less than like my best. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really about trying to like hit PRs. It was more, it was a mental PR to be like, I'm, I'm back. So that was a really good feeling. Um, and then of course, like this whole pandemic happened. So all that kind of <laughs> went back, but at least I'm not the only one. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of like on my way back up. Mm-hmm. Well, in a way that I, could, I think actually I made this argument before um, in, I mean, right when the pandemic started. Where, mm-hmm. like, uh, for some lifters, this could be a blessing in disguise because it yeah. gave them some time to take some time off and not rush things. I said this about Taylor Atwood, 
where Sheffield got canceled and based on his training, it's like, it looks like he might be dealing with things. I am assuming all this. You're not supposed to speculate in power li- or uh, podcasting or journalism, but I'm speculating right now uh, that it seemed like it, it training wasn't going as great for him. I'm like, okay, well, doesn't have the meat, a high pressure meat at that. Can actually take some time off and work on things that he needs to work on. And, you know, that, that could be a refreshing thing for people who are on, even on the come up through an injury. Mm-hmm. So, and very interesting, you said that about 2019 Raw Nationals, because that was my first Raw Nationals. Um, oh. Yeah, that was my first Raw Nationals experience. And my, I told so many people, like, I was like, you know, whatever, I don't have that big uh, identity with my federation. Like, I'll do USPA meet or another APF meet. But after Raw Nationals, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I kind of want to stay in, is like this environment. And it just makes you continuously want to compete. So interesting that uh, you brought that up and that reinvigorated your love for just being on the platform. Yeah. So when, when, again, bring this back as a coach, when an athlete's coming with you with nagging injuries, then what's, what's the approach with your client? Uh, well, I say it depends. So if it's like, if they can't move or there's something where I'm like, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not a rehab specialist. Yeah. I might know about human injury, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert. So, um, depending on the situation, if it's, you know, I might say like, Hey, you need to go see somebody who has experience in this. Um, but otherwise, like if there's, if it's just some like modification, you know, even, I don't know if like, for example, like I'm, Oh, I'm getting some irritation in my you know, L- or my shoulders when I'm squatting low bar, like that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm just like, okay, well, like try bringing the, your grip out a little bit when, you know, or like modify the grip or modify the movement, whatever that is. And usually, um, you know, like that'll usually like fix the problem. Um, so it's, yeah, it's all about just kind of, I don't say trial and error, <laughs> Mm-hmm. but kind of just like it, that's really what it is is just finding if you're in pain like finding a movement or finding a way to perform that movement or some variation that you can do um without having to remove that movement completely um and i think that's kind of uh that's important you know for a lot of lifters is just being able to like make modifications mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that with the good coaches that we have on the, sh- the show, that they say predominantly the same thing when I ask about either rehab or not rehabbing, because they actually say the opposite. They say, well, you just said, I'm not a rehab specialist. I'm not going to fix things. If I say I have all the answers for it, that's how you kind of know that I'm you not. Need to go <laughs> yeah, like I'm not necessarily doing my job as a coach. It's like when I start saying like, oh, yeah, of course he is. Like, of course I can fix, you know, a uh you know your bulging disc in your back or something or like so and most coaches say the same thing to me it's i'm not a rehab specialist we try to work for things but if they're in constantly campaign or in pain and they can't move i suggest them to someone who actually knows what to do in that situation yeah and i've had a lot of people ask me you know, it's like well what did you do for your back or what did you do for your glute and um i always tell them i'm like well what I did might be different than what you need. Right. Because, um, I remember when we first started, um, we were just doing, uh, we were doing more tempos, but I could never get over a certain threshold. And so finally he was like, all right, well, let's try this. Like basically doing pin squats. So I started, um, with like quarter squats to the pin 
you know, and then each week we'd slowly lower the pin. And that seemed to work for me much better than just doing tempos to depth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once I got to parallel, like it was fine, you know, so it's like, it's just, yeah, it's like trial and error. And no, there's no one size fits all. And that's why I think it's important to work with like a specialist, because if you're just doing these little exercises that you find on Instagram, like Mm -hmm. might, you know, be making the situation worse. You don't know. Yeah. And it's in, it's in the word specialist. They specialize in the injury that you're going through. Exactly. <laughs> so um, might might want to seek out their help. So I we spoke a lot about your coaching and your um, your competitive uh, background as well. So I I, I often ask this to uh, to guests: Do you have a coach first or competitor first mindset in your you know like powerlifting mentality? As far as for, like, my training? Yes. It's almost like an ultimatum that I love doing to guests and make them piss off at me, is if you could choose one. Yeah, Yeah, if you could Uh, choose one, what would it be? Coach? You want to be known as the coach or the competitor? Oh, do I want to be known? Well, I want to be known as... Oh, that's hard. Yeah, see? Ultimatums that piss people off. Yeah, the competitor (laughs) in me, you know, just because that's that's my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I like being like, I work hard for what I do. I think I, I pretty knowledgeable for the, you know, for the most part. Um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm a competitor, I'm an athlete. And, um, even in my training, sometimes it's hard because, uh, even last week I was like, I hit like a, a weight that I haven't hit in a while and it felt good. And I was like, I want to go up, but should I go up? And so I'm like, well, the competitor in me wants to go up. (laughs) <laughs> but then the coach in me is like mm, probably shouldn't do that let's stay here and like you know leave momentum going forward so there's always that like conflict even within myself is like you know should I go up should I not like you know and so there's so that's why it's actually nice to have even me I have Chad uh Wesley Smith is my coach because um you know, sometimes like that, the, the competitor in me wants to like take over. And so I'll ask him and he's like, no, stay there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, OSHA stay there. So we'll stay. Mm-hmm. So, so then what offers a bigger challenge? Is it coaching or competing? Um, that's a good question too. Thank They're you. both challenging, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a legitimate answer or not, but obviously like just coaching is challenging just because like you said it's like you like I know my body at this point so I know like the difference of like you know yeah I'm just tired but I can push through or I need to take a step back or otherwise like something is stupid is going to happen whereas um working with athletes it's like I don't I only know what they tell me and so I can only program or do um like something that what they're telling me is like 100% accurate. Um, so that can be challenging in and of itself. Um, just trying to figure out like, you know, what's best for them. Um, so I would say maybe coaching, but mm-hmm. competitive is stressful and, uh, and it's like in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a person who would never coach, which is me, um, I am, I have people on two white lights to tell me things cause I'm, totally not informed on anything exercise science related, but I always looked at coaching as just being this, ex- I, I, I guess maybe it's just because it's, it's unknown to me, but just so difficult. Like what I see, 
what I see because Joe Stanek's my coach. Uh, bring that up on a lot of my um, list. Yeah, Joe, Joe Stanek's my coach. And <laughs> wait, what was it? Is it hi, Joe? Yeah, he's he's definitely listening to this episode. Um, but <laughs> like what I saw him do at the Arnold, that was the first time I got coaching at, at, at all. Oh. Was at the Arnold, and when I saw what he was doing, I was like whoa, like, this is, I thought I was stressed right now. Like, he's got me to deal with. He's got three other guys to deal with. He's going all over the place. The Arnold was a little bit, you know, fucky because they had the two sessions going on at the same time. So it was like he was looking at the other session or he was looking at the platform while I was in the warm-up room, and he was going back and forth like, God, it's so much easier competing. (laughs) So you're talking about game day coaching. Well, I, 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 that's just one example because I saw it in action because before that I never got handled before and I never got game day coaching, but even now, even with his response rate to me, like when I ask a question, how quick he is to answer me, his, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the way we check in and we talk and we converse on, you know, what's going right in training, what we're going to fix, uh, just all those things are so valuable. And even that, I appreciated how hard he was working. Um, yeah. I guess that took maybe like eight weeks for me to get used to. The game day coaching is something that I've only experienced once so far. And that was like such a like a eye-opening experience to me because I was always just handling myself and calling my own numbers and kind of just going with the flow of things. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, yeah, I'm going to warm up now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, it's like, I'll, it's like, what, how far am I out? I'm like, yeah, I'll hit my last warm up now or something. Or, oh, and yeah, and then, um, even with the weight, mm-hmm. like the weight I was doing, like, yeah, this seems like good weight to warm up with. Like, it was just all over the place. Like, it was no formula to it. And that's, that's the easy thing, I guess. But when I saw him handle other athletes while he was handling me, like, that was just, it was, it was seriously. It, it was eye-opening. It was an eye-opening experience. Um, I, and I had the same experience when I first started getting programming under him and coaching and going through the check-ins, like how, um, just how rigid it was and how serious it was and how uh, professional he took it. And mm-hmm. that to me was like, all right, this is actually really cool. And, you know, updates to Google Sheets for me super quick too, so... I, I guess it just it, it took some time getting used to. Where I, as far as the game day coaching, I'm not particularly used to yet. Yeah, so um, that's really good. like I mean I know Joe. He lives in San Diego as well. So um, you know I know actually he went to Syracuse University. Mm-hmm. So I was in grad school and he was in um, his undergrad. And my professor was the one who's like, "Hey, Kristen, like you should you know this guy is like really into powerlifting. You should like you know can I connect you with each other?" And so yeah, and so like I'm still cool with Joe that to this day and I know Joe when he was like I think I so full disclosure and I'm sorry Joe for saying this I bought him his first legal alcoholic drink when he turned 21 oh my that is so adorable <laughs> what did he get what did he buy what did he get IPA. I think it was a double IPA a double I don't IPA remember nice. yeah it was like a like a, a strong, strong IPA strong hoppy yeah. taste that's IPA, yeah and so it was just yeah it was his 21st birthday and so I bought him his first Legal alcoholic drink. Yeah, I'm sure that was his first drink ever. This is his first one, for sure. 100%. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I personally like do not enjoy uh, game day coaching, like me as a coach. Mm-hmm. So I try to avoid, and this is just me, I'm sorry. Like, I just, it, it's very stressful. Yeah. 
Um, I would hundred percent rather just be the athlete um, because just, yeah. And especially at like nationals and things like that, where it's like, I mean, you're back to back with, um, you know, some of these athletes. And so like, for me, um, when I competed as a 63, um, I used to, I mean, so Jen Thompson and Sam Calhoun were like the big competitors and Sam and I would always like, we total the same, do you know who Sam Calhoun is? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. So her and I would total, it was like three meets in a row where her and I had like the same total. And the first one, we didn't even compete in the same meet. Like I wasn't even looking at her numbers. I was just kind of like, you know, this was like my first meet back and we ended up like totaling the same. Not like, I was just like, oh, wow, like that's ironic. And so it was like three meets where we had the, the same weight and uh, our bench was like pretty much the same. We had, we benched the same weight, but at the time I was the better squatter. And she was a better deadlifter. And because you deadlift last, it was like, I always had to be more aggressive on my squat because I knew that she would, you know, I basically had to try to out squat her by as much as she out pulled me because our, you know, our bench was like the same. Um, and so just dealing with that as like a game day coat, like that's so stressful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, like, because um, that was another thing that Joe was telling me as we went on. We were, you know, hoping to get best overall lifter the day, um, the day that I competed, which was the A7, like, whatever it was called, Pro Challenge or something, whatever title it had. Yeah. And that was one I never looked at in the meet, was how it was stacking up against competition, especially at Raw Nationals, because if you watch the live stream on Raw Nationals and, like, even, like, at my deadlifts, they were like, why is he taking like the commentators? Are, like he's taking a 22 and a half kilo jump on his deadlift. Like what, what is he doing? <laughs> and they were quite like, why is he doing that? And they're like, um, I, I, I don't know. And then I pulled in. They're like, he got it quite easily. They're just like, I'm confused why he even chose a 22 kilo jump. Like why, or why he didn't open higher. I'm like, that's cause I just didn't have a coach. I had no idea what I was doing. And I wasn't even, I wasn't shredded. And I didn't even know my last, my last pull didn't even get me anywhere. Like I missed it, but the number I chose wouldn't have got me anywhere in the ranking. And I could have got more aggressive because um, like if we were playing the playing cards of, you know, trying to place higher, it would have made sense to get more aggressive, but I just didn't even care or know, or didn't even want to focus on it. I was just focused on hitting my numbers. Yeah. And I think especially as you get more, like, competitive as a lifter, you know, a lot of times in powerlifting, it's like the goal of the sport is to lift the most weight possible, like hit PRs, like that's what everyone wants to do, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're, like, at that top level, you know, it's almost like you have to be strategic about it. It's like, well, is it worth trying to hit a PR, you know, mm -hmm. with a possibility that I miss it? And if I miss it, then, like, I'm basically screwed. And so chat, you know, we're always um, very adamant about, it's like not, you know, powerlifting is three lift. You, it's, it's all about building a big total. And so you want to, you want to build. And even if that means like taking a step back and not hitting a PR, mm -hmm. um, you know, like that's what you do because, you know, it kind of like can make or break you being first or second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a thing I, I explained to a lot of lifters who aren't yet at a high level. Or still, when they asked me, like, how did this lifter bomb? And I was like, well, they were chasing a number. 
And the opener was set high because they were chasing a certain number, and you have to open high when you do that. So the odds of them bombing out at a high level are actually higher than them bombing out at a lower level. Because at that point, you're just looking to stay in the meet, where this other person wants to total something to break an all-time world record. Or to, uh, to, to do something that no one has ever done before. So therefore, it's like your openers become difficult, or a little bit more difficult than they once were. Um, and, and I see like, how, how did this lifter have a 20 kilo drop in their performance? Like, well, they were trying to place top three or, or win raw nationals. That's why they did it. It's like, they could probably hit a PR total by like five kilos, maybe 10 kilos if that, but if they were trying to win and they were being strategic that day and they miss one lift or two lifts, then your total goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's all, and that's kind of the nice part about having a coach, a good coach, especially, is that they kind of just, you just lift the weight, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you just tell me what to put on the bar and I lift it. And, um, you know, I think that's why it's important to like communicate with your coach too, is like, so they know and um, them being there. And I mean, like, you still kind of like go back and forth, like even at, um, at the Arnold, uh, when I came back from the Grand Prix, um, I knew I wasn't going to PR my squat because like my squat is the one that has given me my issues. So, um, as long as I felt like I did what I could, um, I was okay, but, um, my bench was going pretty well. And then my deadlift. And, um, I remember at the end of like my third attempt on deadlift, Chad came up, he was like, you know, do you want to go for a PR and like, you know, try and PR your deadlift and, or do you want to like stay conservative? And I was like, well, I'd rather just, you know, like I'd rather tie my PR um, at this point and just, mm-hmm. and I ended up missing the lift anyway, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> I missed, so it didn't matter. I'm like, well, you know, I missed it anyway, who cares? But um, yeah, I mean, as much as like, you know, yeah, you want to hit a PR, it's like, sometimes it's like, well, what's more important winning, mm-hmm. like world winning the, whatever the meet or trying to hit a PR. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's, that's a, that, no, that's that's the thing that I'm now going through as a competitor because, you know, at Nationals, I was I would consider myself decent lifter, but then after the Arnold's, like, okay, you can actually get yourself into a good position at Raw Nationals. So mm-hmm. Joe, with the strategy that he has going to my next meet, it's like, all right, this is going to be different for me. This is going to be something that's we're trying to we're trying to hit some numbers that mean something. You know what I mean? It's just not no longer PRs. It's something like you're trying to make an impact to your next competition. So there's, and I, and hopefully lifters can go through the same change. It is actually a pretty cool one. The new challenges of that uh, new, where it's not just, Oh, I'm just here to have fun, which of course that's a great thing, but the competitive side to it too is also like a, it's a pretty exhilarating experience. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing like the adrenaline after a meet. It's mm-hmm. like you, I can't even explain, and that's why I love it. It's like so funny because I'll go into a meet and I'm just like, "Oh, this sucks. I feel like shit. My body hurts. Like, why do I do this? This is stupid." And then you go and you compete, and then it's like, "Oh my god, I love it. This is why <laughs> I do what I do." And it's like, "When's the next one? I'm so ready to go." And then mm-hmm. it's like the same thing. I'm like, "Oh, this sucks." <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, you're, because uh, immediately after the Arnold, because, like, you know, it was it was a great meet for me, mm-hmm. but it was so quick where I was so in jail, I'm like, all right, what's, 
what's next? Like, when are we going to start the new block? Like, when, when when's this going to go? I'm like, I really, <laughs> he's like, he's like, and boy, he told me, he's like, don't touch a barbell for like four days. He's like, get into some light stuff, then we'll start your new block on Monday. I'm like, all right, sweet. Yeah. And he's like, and then, and then like, it's like, what's the plan? What's the plan after that? What's the plan going into, like, are we taking another meet in between this and Raw Nationals? Um, and this was during, we, we, compete, yeah, we, now. yeah, we competed at like the last normal thing almost. Um, I mean, it wasn't even normal because like they yeah. closed down the convention center. And so it was like, no yeah. one was allowed. And, and that so the was, was supposed to be in the middle of the convention yeah. center. So yeah, but based on what happened the following weeks, that was actually normal. Last one, yeah. <laughs> two weeks later, they're like, "This is like you can't do anything. You can't, you can't, you can't talk to people. Like you can't be close enough to talk to people anymore." But um, hopefully, hopefully soon that will be lifted. Um, so I have, whenever I have coaches on, you know, I really like to ask this question. Is there anything you see currently in powerlifting that is riddled with really good coaches, but also riddled with subpar coaches? Let's call it that. Is there something you see or have seen or is a common trend that makes you as a coach go, what the fuck are they doing? Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't really, I don't really pay attention to other people's like programming mm-hmm. uh, unless it's someone who you know like I'm working with a, an athlete who's like had a previous coach and they kind of tell me like what they were doing and I'm kind of like what mm-hmm. weird <laughs> um but I don't really know a lot of like other I mean outside of you know like the people that like you know the strength athlete like they're known for being like they have good programming mm-hmm. um I don't, and those are the kind of people that i follow or like people who i like respect in the field and so okay. like if i'm if you're a shitty coach like i don't follow you anyway so i don't really know what they're doing um but yeah there's nothing that like i've seen that was like you know uh well okay i lied there is so uh <laughs> i don't want to say this so a lot of people who do a like West side conjugate style programming, but are raw. Okay. And there's a few, uh, people, coaches that I know who do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's weird. <laughs> yeah. You just, uh, you might've just made an enemy with like a very small population of two white lights listeners because we are a pretty USAPL heavy podcast, but there are some who will come probably in my DMs and be like, conjugate is you can use it for raw athletes and get really angry with I'm me. Not, you can't. I'm not saying that you, it, it depends on how it's, how it's used, but mm-hmm. some of the coaches that I've seen using it are. Yeah, they're, they're not, it's very complex and it requires probably someone who's been in powerlifting for a long time to to efficiently run a program for a person. And I've seen that too. I will totally back you up on this is I think there are very few people in the sport of powerlifting who really, really know how to run a conjugate system for a raw powerlifter. Very few. And it's because it's just one is not common. Uh, Candido talked about this and he had a really good, just in a very simple insight on this where he was like, okay, you want to talk about conjugate? in raw athletes let's talk about it i 
competed primetime at USAPL Raw Nationals. Not one person in the top 10 ran conjugate. And this is Raw Nationals, the best raw lifters in America and arguably the world. And if you ask the other, the, the 10 through 12, or 10 through 20, none of them run conjugate either. Like, if, yeah. it's, a, if it's a commonality, if it's a trend, it, yeah. it's probably true that it just simply isn't, isn't necessary to, to run it. Even outside of USAPL, like USPA lifter, like outside of USAPL Federation, even the top lifters are not doing conjugate. And a lot of times too, because like if there's like as a new lifter, you need to learn. Like if you're trying to learn how to squat and bench, like squat and bench, you don't need you know like they need to learn how to do it. Why are you implementing like all these variations? <laughs> like you're just kind of like you know like if you want to get better at squatting uh, as a new lifter, you have to squat. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, obviously like incorporating variations, like there's a reason behind it, but especially with newer lifters, I always like to keep it simple just because, you know, they're just trying to learn the movement. So mm-hmm. when you're like, Oh, well, this is, you know, your, your back squat. And then you got your like box squat and then you're doing like a dynamic squat with change and like band, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, like, <laughs> just learn to squat first. <laughs> well, I, and I've, I've said this before about just coaches who coaches who like to make their athletes do something because they it, it's doing something for the sake of doing something. Like, oh, I've seen this done before. I've seen change before. It looks different. It looks foreign. It yeah, it looks it looks cool. Maybe there's some use to it, and they really just don't do it, or it's primarily for the gram and it's like look I, this is what I have my athlete doing and it's like you don't really know why you're doing that I think and I think a lot of coaches are guilty of that even even in, even not in the, the the conjugate world I think even I think I've seen a lot of USAPL uh, coaches who are not yet at that prestige of a TSA of juggernaut of these um, really great co- coaching careers where they see someone do a Larson press. It looks different. It looks cool. It's like, okay, I'm going to program my athlete to do Larson press. Like, do you know why that Larson press is being put into place? I'm not going to say I know because I have no idea about, you know, anything uh, as far as like coaching and exercise settings go. But like, are you just doing it because you saw someone do it? Yeah. Like, I well, yeah. Like there's, there's a time and a place for a lot. Like I do, well, actually, I do do it. I've like had athletes, mm-hmm. but there's a purpose. And so like, not that there's anything wrong with ever doing like a box squat or like a band or some chains, but like know the reason why you're doing it. Um, and then also, you know, like I said, like if you're a new lifter and you're still just learning how to bench, like there's no need for you to like add a Larson press really, you know, because you're just trying to eat like, learn the movement so um i think having an understanding as to why you're doing it um and even just like elite like sometimes i'm just like you know just for some something different you know even it just yeah it kind of just depends (laughs) yeah oh yeah absolutely and um so i guess this will be the uh, last question for the segments when it's all said and done what would you like to be known for in the sport what would you like your legacy to be in the realm of powerlifting? So I think there's a lot of great information in lifting, but to be honest, like in just in the fitness community, it's a very male dominated field, mm-hmm. right? Like all the experts, not all, and I'm, I shouldn't say all, but most people that you look up to are male. 
Um, and there's no female experts with also like a level of being a top athlete, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so my goal would ultimately to be like the top athlete, but then also like a top sport female scientist. And I think like that, that's not a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, um, that's kind of the reason that I want to, you know, like going back to school, um, to, you know, to learn to, I was going to be a doctor, but, um, to learn to, to be well-respected, not only as like an athlete, but also as a coach and, uh, an educator Mm -hmm. as a woman. Yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for, for people just listening and we don't have video, she just snapped her fingers, uh, fabulously to me so but that's a that's a really awesome goal um or that's a pretty yeah that i and i kind of just had the realization that no there really isn't um i mean there's not too many males but i know more males than females you know what i mean i mean i just bought up lane norton at the beginning of the show yeah well and so lane would probably like but he's like he's a phd also like a competitive lifter and he's probably one of the only like and I mean and Steffi Cohen I guess mm-hmm. I can you know she would be an elite and then also has her doctorate in physical therapy um but like outside of Steffi there's really no like female who's like in school or has a doctorate also like a top level athlete mm-hmm. yeah and that would be I just extremely beneficial to the sport and just in multiple ways just one whenever you're a high level athlete you're making a massive impact on the sport but then two when you're able to share information with others, one, you're going to get more people involved in the sport. And that's big. Uh, mm-hmm. Danielle Mello last week was talking about how her goal was to just have, like, I would love to influence females to pick up a barbell. Yeah. Like, it's, and I think like a lot of girl women, especially in the sports goal is to just, cause like as being a female, we, I know, like I told you before, it's like, I go to the gym and I was in the cardio section mm-hmm. because I didn't go where to like, the dumbbell meat house section because that was like all the big beefy males now i'm kind of like oh, excuse me boys get out of my way <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't always the case you yeah. know and so i understand what it feels like as the female in the sport like to be intimidated mm-hmm. yeah and you know what i think people like you like daniela Mello, have been really good in getting i mean the the funny thing with when we had her on last week was she said that that was her goal. I'm like, you already kind of accomplished that. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at the female powerlifters in the sport currently, they and they you ask them who their favorite lifter is and why they got into lifting. Like, oh, I saw what you know Danny was doing, what Steffi was doing, and I wanted to pick up a barbell. It's like you, the change is happening, and it's good. It's, it's I see more females in the sport now. I see more females loving the sport just yeah. really getting involved in the sport, really being passionate about it too. And I think if we have more people like you, Steffi Cohen, who are who are sharing information too, that will maybe encourage other people to get involved in the uh, the educational side. They yeah. actually earn a degree in this as well because it's and I've and I've accredited Steffi to having like this huge impact on the sport because she releases so much information and of course, is a high-level competitor. So, um, yeah. the the fact that that's your goal as well is admirable. Yeah. Oh, thank you. No problem. <laughs> Appreciate I always, it. 
I only say things that I mean. And I think you're well on your way of doing that too. Because again, like if I go through um, my Instagram and I, and I see that, and I, and I told Danny, that's the same thing. It's like, people will post your video. Female lifters will post your videos with the hard eyes and the flames. And like, this is goals right here. It's like, mm-hmm. you're already having that impact. Like I know social media occasionally, I mean, we kind of trash it. Like at the beginning of the show, like maybe you should deactivate your social media uh, if you're going through burnout, but if you see something like that, if you see someone reposting your stuff and saying your quote unquote goals, or that's who they aspire to be, you're that's huge. That's really big. That and they're genuine. Maybe some of them are looking for a shout out, which happens in, in social media land. But it's it's a genuine thing that they're doing when they like are taking the time out of their day to just say how awesome you are. Yeah. When I first started, so my first meet ever was in 2014. And there was three girls competing at my meet. Yeah. So I was one of, actually it might have been four. So there's three other girls plus me. So there's four girls that competed at my entire meet. Mm-hmm. And so to see that to where it's evolved now, I mean, we've come such a long way and it's kind of cool to see. Oh, yeah. You know? especially just seeing women who are like, you know, like deadlifting over 400 pounds and even 500 pounds, Danielle, you know, like, I mean, you, no one would have thought or it's like thought of that 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. Just, I mean, even at Raw Nationals, what I saw the, the female, I think the most amount of competitors, the most dense amount of competitors were in like the female 74 kg to 84 kg class where they had to actually during prime time, they were still going while prime time was happening because there's so many of them. And that's, that's a good sign. I mean, I think that's why they might've curbed the qualifications for nationals because of the amount of women um, who were qualified, but that's a good sign still. That means you're actually reaching an audience that was not existent five years ago. And they weren't, they were not there. Nope, definitely not. So it's cool to see. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to say that I've, I've been a part of that or I helped, you know, getting women into the sport. Yeah. And have you done that? You've done that currently. And I think you're well on your way of doing more, uh, doing more of that. So I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, I'm confident that you are. So, all right. Segment time. We are playing a two white lights, favorite word association. You're already laughing. So that's a good sign. I give you a word. You give me the first word that comes to mind. Start off easy. Then maybe get progressively harder. So first word squat. Ouch. Oh, man. That's usually I hear depth on that one. Well, because mine has been I know. pain. So I'm like, oh, it hurts. So that's my first thought. Yeah. And that well, might change. If you ask me in six months, my answer might change. Yeah. Oh, and you know what, though? I will, like, for me, too, like, whenever I feel any pain, it's on squat. It is a fuck. It's a, it, it's a gnarly exercise. Of all, of all the three of them, it's the most gnarly as far as, like, you're getting crushed by weight. So many things can go wrong. The bar could roll on you. You could drop the bar. Like that's yeah. I think I, I think probably the most injuries are due to bat, uh, squat. That's just me talking out of my ass, but I'd say so. <laughs> I mean, somehow like that used to be my favorite lift. I think like as of recently, it's been more mental for me just because mm-hmm. like if everything has happened. But I would love. I mean, I love squatting. Just I need to get back to that. Oh yeah, in high in high school, that was my favorite lift too. Uh, because we didn't max out on deadlift. 
we max out on power clean. If nice. I wouldn't if deadlift, obviously, because I'm considered a deadlift specialist now, uh, that probably would have been my favorite lift in high school. But uh, yeah. we did squat, and my bench sucked in high school. I was just, for some reason, able to squat a lot of weight. It's a weird, like, genetic thing. Short, yeah. stocky. And now I'm just, like, kind of a mediocre squatter. <laughs> like, when I got into powerlifting, like, uh, okay, not, not the best squatter. All right. Bench. Uh, chest. It targets the chest, all right. Yeah. It does do that. Need a big chest to bench well. How about the next one? Deadlift. Um, does it have to be one word? You can do multiple. It's fine. Don't give up. Yeah, that's a, sometimes that grip slips on you. Yeah. Well, I think... With deadlift for me, because it's like I'm so slow off the floor, and it's just like, mm. you know, you just got to keep keep going, keep going, and eventually it's like, oh, it came up a little bit, keep going, keep going. And so, you know, I think a lot of people uh, might, you know, it's like the second that it, like, slows down, they're like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. Like, keep going. We'll get it. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, I uh, Yang sued the uh, Thanos's, uh thing of, of efficient deadlifters. I was very proud that I was included on that list. But, yeah, I, I'm, like, a very, very efficient but patient deadlifter. Um, yes. And I've seen a lot of, yeah, I've seen a lot of, actually, female competitors do that, where it's, like, not 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 give up. They just stick with the weight for so long. Uh, one of my friends at Surge does this. Uh, shout out Janelle. Like, it takes her so long to get the weight off the floor. And seriously, it looks like the weight isn't budging. Like, okay, that's a failed attempt. And then if it moves a little bit, it's up. It's yep. seriously the craziest thing in the world. I, like, I'm always amazed, like, how... Because I just try to rip it. Like, just really anchor myself in and rip it off the floor. And then when I see someone slowly, like methodically pull it keep pulling and pulling and pulling like jesus christ that's amazing i think steffi cohen does a really good job with that too hers is like a 10 second pull and it's like all of a sudden it goes up and then she like wraps it out <laughs> yeah and you know uh hayden bow her um i believe husband fiance i don't know i don't know their... yeah okay yeah he does a good job of that too he's it seems like everything's rp 11 when he deadlifts for the first step, and it's like rp11 then like rpe7 yeah for the next one so like, yeah when whenever he deadlifts like but he maintains perfect form the entire time through the deadlift it's pretty remarkable it's yeah yeah it's it's kind of like uh powerlifting porn to me when someone does that <laughs> i like that that's a good terminology i'll have to use it next time <laughs> yeah for sure and credit me while you do it i uh, definitely will for sure don't worry <laughs> um usapl Drug tested? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we, that's a common one. Natty. Natty's yes. a nat- natural. <laughs> of course, le- elitist gets thrown in there, too. Um, uh, I forgot who said uh, red, white, and blue. Oh, yeah, Sophia Rizzuto. I'm like, USAPL. She's like, red, white, and blue. I'm like, okay. There you go. I'm like, very yeah. patriotic of you. <laughs> um, IPF. Daps. Yes, yes, you gotta you gotta sink your squats in IPF. Oh my god, having so like being at Worlds, um, and watching everyone like 
getting red lighted and I would have been like oh well, that looked good to me I remember actually when I was walking out to like do my 70 kilo squat and Chad goes to me he goes you better hit that <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good thing when your coach says that prior to you hitting the platform you it was like 70 kilos and it was like how embarrassing would that be if you like <laughs> it because of depth and then I had to go out there again and hit it <laughs> yeah so just, that was that was that was uh that was 2019 Sweden last year yeah, yeah 2019 Sweden was um it was it was that was one of the stories unfortunately was just uh depth calls a lot of red lights a lot of random red lights too just being called and you know, you look at the judges where they're standing, and they're like seventy-five. They're social distancing themselves like doubly. They has, I yeah, I, yeah. IPF judges created social distancing. How far away they stand from the fucking competitors while looking at their squat depth. Incredible. They're like, we're gonna take the CDC guidelines and double it. We're gonna stand twelve feet away from the competition. So I don't. I, I yeah. That was that was a big story from IPF, and I think a lot of people would share the. Uh, the same thing that you said. Yeah. Chad Wesley Smith. Sex appeal. That's probably what he would have said. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I agree was, with you. <laughs> he was saying, what is it? Twisted teeth steel and sex appeal. Um, I would say probably like more uh, uh, coach. Mm-hmm. That would be the first two things I would think of him. I would say judo. <laughs> was was judo. He does judo, oh, right? He's a, yeah, he's he's a judo player. So, and I thought that was awesome uh, when, like, he, I saw videos of that. But yeah, he's a. Yeah, it's gonna sound weird, but he is a definite handsome man. It's, it's <laughs> a strange, strange thing about him. He's he's got like this look. I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe society doesn't peg you as like the sexiest man ever, but I'm like, you could, I could, I could definitely put you in my list of a uh, handsome dude. <laughs> like it's like I'll dad let, power. I'll let him know. For sure. Yeah, let him know. I'm sure he's used to hearing it. Oh, for sure. Juggernaut. Strong. Yes. Uh, That was probably the first uh, coaching I've heard when I got into powerlifting. Because I was, seriously, when I got into powerlifting in like 2016, my first Mm -hmm. competition in 2016, one of the few powerlifters I knew was Marissa Inda. And I didn't even know her from powerlifting. It was from the, the the crazy video she would do, like, was it the... Pull-up video? Yeah, the pull-up videos. My friend sent me, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. I didn't even know she powerlifted, and then I got into powerlifting. Oh, she's a really good powerlifter, too. And that was, and then I noticed the juggernaut, uh, my girlfriend almost, like, she was looking at their programs, and she oh. does not powerlift. She's just, like, looking, because we were both, like, uh, I, I showed her Marissa Indo's video. Like, I think yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I work with, like, general fitness clients, too, mm-hmm. who, like, have no desire to ever compete. Yeah. Well, that was, that's what I told her with, like, Juggernaut. I'm like, they have different programs for people. Like, she was just so, she, my, she, my girlfriend thought Marissa was awesome. I thought Marissa was awesome. That was, it was such a strange, like, specific powerlifters I got into when I first started powerlifting. It was Mason Cabney, Marissa Inda. And I, I guess Ray Williams would definitely be on there because he was like, you know, fucking, he was on top of the world like when I was uh, starting. So, beer, tasty, tasty. What's your favorite beer? I've been into sours lately. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm normally like, I normally like IPAs, but for whatever reason, like a sour just kind of hits the spot. Yeah, I got what some, is that one? Yeah, I got some random beers behind me. This one I just purchased. <laughs> no one could see this, but I got it just based on the bottle alone. It was yeah, just cool. Yeah, it was like a growler. What's up? Like a mini growler. Yeah, it was awesome. And I did, I'm like, this beer probably, is, it might suck, who knows, but I just purchased on bottle alone. But yeah, yeah. my my beer taste changes in this in these seasons. Yeah, that's true too. Like yeah. I can't I can't do an IPA when it's summer. Mm-mm. No, it's more like actually right now I've been into those like seltzer waters, not like the white claw stuff because that's gross. But there's some like the hard kombuchas. Oh, those are like like as of recently. So I don't. It's not necessarily beer. Um, but yeah, like the kombuchas are freaking good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've never had that, but um, the, actually the seltzer water I did have in summer the first time. I'm like, okay, it's actually kind of refreshing, mm-hmm. like how it because when it's hot out, just yeah, there's because I'm I'm not even like even craft beers like light like Corona, like yeah. uh, like anything just a little bit refreshing. But towards the winter, towards fall and winter, I'm all about IPAs and like the really the. I've- yeah, heavier, um, a lot of dark, a lot of dark beers. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's good to know. But, um, you know, I'll let you off easy. I think I'm gonna, I think I end it there. Alrighty, it's been a lot of well, fun. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, or for people listening right now who are get word association, this is just a little inside two white lights. A lot of times, this is my first time talking to people, so I don't know what I can and can't ask them. You know what I mean? Because people kind of like, man, you should ask them this. I'm like, I'm not going to ask them a super personal question my first time talking to them, guys. Just a little inside information uh, for anyone wondering about how I come. Personal, when I know people personally, like Garrett Fear, I have a shit ton of word associations I throw at them because, <laughs> because cause I know him. Like, we're friends, so I can ask him anything. Um, he's a character, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's handling me at the next meet. I can't wait. Oh really? When's your next one? Uh, October tenth, Midwest Prime Time. So Ooh, we're gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a fun meet, and we're gonna have um, hopefully the uh, meet director on the show next week, uh, doing a little preview. Some cool, lift- a lot of good lifters. I won't, you know, preview it now and ruin it the the next show for you guys. But yeah, some some really high level competitors um, at this meet, so it's gonna be fun. And yeah, Garrett looks like he's gonna be handling me. He's of course gonna support his lovely girlfriend Christina Lazzo. And um, he volunteered to handle me, so it's gonna be fun. I always like hanging out with Garrett. It's usually a usually a fun time. I sometimes go to Indiana just to just to chill with him. Nice, nice. Well, but, tell him I said hello. I will for sure. <laughs> and again, thank you for coming on. Fan requested yeah. interview. A lot of people wanted you on Two White Lights, and it's great to finally have you on. No, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. All right, um, that will do it for Two White Lights, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Fuck.